Today's episode on Garden Blitzing was suggested by Ariel Short 2072. Yeah, talking freedom and liberation. Worldwide, not just only for the nation. A radical guide, it's time to make changes. Bringing interviews and radical education. Yeah, yeah, a better future. What we Welcome to another episode of A Radical Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Bayless, and we've got a compelling lineup today that spans from the community gardens, challenging the industrial agricultural complex to innovative housing solutions on the Gulf Islands of Canada. Special thanks to Ariel Short, 2072, for suggesting today's phenomenal topic that promises to spark both thought and action. If you're a seasoned activist or just someone who started questioning the world around you, rest assured you're in the right place. We're not merely criticizing the status quo here. We're exploring practical alternatives and spotlighting grassroots actions, igniting genuine change. We'll journey from Turkey, focusing on the wasted effort, an initiative taking on food waste in a remarkable way, to the Gulf Islands, where the Mud Girls Collective is rewriting the playbook on sustainable living. So grab your favorite beverage, whether it's a tea made from herbs in your own community garden or coffee from a co-op that stands for fair wages and make yourself comfortable. You won't want to miss a moment of today's episode as we profile people and communities rolling up their sleeves to craft a new narrative. And let's not forget, this is a collective endeavor. We're a community of like-minded individuals committed to shaking up the system and planting the seeds for a more equitable world. Your stories, insights, and actions are not just welcomed, they're essential. So don't hold back. Reach out and become an active part of this movement. Let's go! While I was deeply involved in planning today's episode, an email arrived in my inbox with uncanny timing. The filmmaker Mohamed Bazbe reached out to share his evocative short film, The Wasted Effort. It's a subject that's worth everyone's attention, touching on food and labor waste, an issue we'll explore in considerable depth today. For context, the wasted effort was filmed in Turkey and scrutinizes the often overlooked labor force behind a simple loaf of bread. From the farmer who sows the seeds to the baker who kneads the dough, each person is a crucial link in a chain that makes our daily sustenance possible. This film rips off the curtain that often hides the human cost and effort behind what ends up on our dinner tables and then turns into waste. Inspired by the film, let's dig into the issue of food waste. According to startling statistics from the USDA, up to 40% of the U.S. food supply ends up being wasted. That's not just tossed lettuce or expired milk. We're talking about 133 billion pounds of food and a whopping $161 billion in value as of 2010. So those are the numbers. But let's now dig into the deeper implications of food waste, starting with the moral concerns. In the context of our ideals of mutual aid and direct action, every pound of food waste signifies a missed opportunity for supporting our community. Throwing food into the landfill is more than just wasting resources. It's an ethical failure, a rejection of the social solidarity that forms the backbone of anarchist thought. In addition, Anarchist principles often coincide with environmentalism. In wasting food, we're not just contributing to climate change, but actively disregarding the ethos of environmental stewardship and sustainable living. The labor and resources that go into producing wasted food reflect a larger disrespect for Earth, a direct conflict with the ecological awareness that many in our community prioritize. And of course, there's social inequality. When we talk about the underpayment of farmers and the overstocking by billionaires, we're essentially looking at a microcosm of systemic exploitation. 
This flies in the face of any anti-authoritarian, egalitarian ideal we might hold. It's not merely unfair. It's a perpetuation of hierarchies and power imbalances that anarchists aim to dismantle. So what's being done in concrete terms to address these concerns? In Detroit, community gardens are actualizing the ideals of communal living and sustainability. They're local responses to systemic problems. Over in France, legislation compelling supermarkets to donate unsold food is a nod toward mutual aid, albeit through the apparatus of the state. And let's consider Spain's Robin Hood restaurants. They're a community-oriented approach to a global issue, redistributing what would otherwise be waste. This isn't just about guilt-tripping anyone into not tossing that half-eaten sandwich. This is an interrogation of the systems we live in. The prevailing system normalizes waste, underlines social inequalities, and distances us from the very labor that sustains us. Why do we permit this? Is the question that the short film, The Wasted Effort, forces us to grapple with. Emma Goldman aptly stated, The ultimate end of all revolutionary social change is to establish the sanctity of human life, the dignity of man, the right of every human being to liberty and well-being. To wrap this up, confronting waste starts with each of us. It's not just about making ethical choices. It's about challenging systems that perpetuate waste and inequality. This is how we inch closer to a more just and equitable world. If the wasted effort intrigues you as much as it did me, then do yourself a favor and watch it. The links in our show notes. A radical guy, that's what this that's is. What this Highlighting is. the diverse world of resistance. Today we're shining a spotlight on a form of activism that transforms the soil under our feet into a platform for radical change, garden blitzing. By definition, garden blitzing involves taking over unutilized or underutilized plots of land to create a garden. This isn't just a whimsical day of planting. It's a calculated act of subversion through communal agriculture. So why is this form of gardening tagged blitzing? Well, the term signifies the sudden, intense action of transforming an empty space into a flourishing garden almost overnight. It's like a blitzkrieg, but for positive change. Now, what makes this noteworthy for those of us who champion radical ideals is that garden blitzing is not merely a form of horticultural expression. It's a direct challenge to the established norms of land ownership and usage, often serving as a counterpoint to industrial agriculture and commercial land development. This philosophy behind garden blitzing is deeply rooted in anarchist thought, emphasizing collective action, mutual aid, and a direct confrontation with capitalistic land monopolies. It's about using direct action to reclaim the commons. In fact, it's almost a modern echo of what Peter Kropotkin outlined in his seminal work, The Conquest of Bread, where he argues that the land is a collective resource, not something to be parceled off and sold to the highest bidder. The idea is to decentralize agriculture, redistribute resources, and create a self-sustaining system that serves the community rather than corporate interests. Today's episode is going to unwrap this layered subject, taking you from its historical roots to its current iterations and impact. And of course, we'll be discussing how you can join this global movement and literally sow the seeds of change in your local community. Stay with us. This is going to be a fertile discussion on multiple fronts. Garden blitzing doesn't appear in a vacuum. To understand its significance, it's crucial to consider the international precedents and the deep history of communal agriculture that feeds into this contemporary form of resistance. Take Russia's Dacha Gardens, for example, 
For centuries, these small plots of land have been the soul of Russian domestic life. In Russia, the term dacha refers to a seasonal or year-round second home, often situated in the exurbs of Russian and other post-Soviet cities. It includes a house and some land where the family can grow vegetables, fruits, and often flowers. Initially intended as a retreat for the urban elite, dachas gradually became a widespread practice, accessible to people from various social classes. During times of economic downturns, these plots often turn into significant food sources. They are spaces of collective work and community, transcending the initial aim of being just weekend retreats. Across the channel, in the United Kingdom, we find the tradition of allotment gardens. These community plots started to flourish particularly in the 19th century and were initially aimed to help the urban poor. Today, they serve multiple purposes, from leisure to food production and even as educational spaces for children. The ethos here is collective management and a democratic allocation of resources, a form of agrarian socialism that sits comfortably within radical traditions. Moving on to more recent history, Victory Gardens provide a fascinating example of how community gardening can transition from a government initiative into a form of civil disobedience. The term Victory Gardens refers to the home and community gardens that were encouraged during World War I and II. Initially, these gardens were propaganda tools heavily promoted by the government to ease the pressure on the public food supply. People cultivated fruits and vegetables in their backyards, empty lots, and even city rooftops. As the wars ended, Victory Gardens remained, evolving into more than just auxiliary food sources. They became strongholds of community building, civil engagement, and self-sufficiency, turning into a form of activism against dependency on big agriculture. Next, let's discuss guerrilla gardening, a term you've likely heard if you've been engaged in radical politics. This form of direct action involves unauthorized planting in neglected or abandoned spaces. It directly challenges dominant ideas about private property and land neglect, inviting us to question who gets to decide the value and use of land. When comparing guerrilla gardening and garden blitzing, both share the core philosophy of subverting established norms through the act of planting. However, garden blitzing places a greater emphasis on collective action and community building, often incorporating a broader range of activities and education, but more on that later. Before we get caught up in the newness of these movements, let's step back to acknowledge the centuries-old sustainable land practices of indigenous peoples. Whether it's the Three Sisters, agricultural method in North America, or the fire stick farming of aboriginal peoples in Australia, these methods have been underpinning sustainable life for generations. The focus here is not on individual ownership, but on collective responsibility, a perspective that aligns closely with the ethos of garden blitzing. Let's take a moment and provide some context. When we mention the Three Sisters method, we're talking about an ancient form of agriculture practiced by Native American tribes, specifically the Iroquois and the Cherokee. This technique involves growing corn, beans, and squash together, maximizing the utility of the land and promoting soil health. Likewise, fire stick farming is a term that comes from indigenous Australians, specifically the Karajari and the Noongar people. It refers to a traditional method of using fire to clear undergrowth, thereby promoting the growth of desired plant species and facilitating hunting. These practices put a premium on sustainability and collective responsibility rather than individual ownership. Garden blitzing inherits from a rich tapestry of international traditions, modern community actions, and indigenous practices. 
Each of these contributes a thread to the weave of garden blitzing as an activism form that is adaptable, locally sourced, but globally aware and deeply rooted in the traditions of resistance and community building. It's not just about opposing the negative impacts of unsustainable industrial agriculture. It's also about proactively creating spaces that foster community resilience, social justice, and ecological balance. So when you're out there, hands in the soil, know that you're part of a much larger global network of resistance that has been challenging the status quo for centuries. One of the most immediate benefits of a garden blitz is the enhancement of food security. Whether in an urban desert devoid of fresh produce or a rural area where access to grocery stores is limited, community gardens can be a lifeline. They allow residents to grow their own food, offering a buffer against fluctuations in food prices, disruptions in supply chains, and the uncertainties of economic downturns. And let's be clear, when you control your food source, you control a significant part of your destiny. A garden blitz isn't just an event. It's a collective enterprise that requires planning, execution, and maintenance. This process naturally draws people together, creating a space where neighbors can meet, collaborate, and form social bonds. The experience of shared labor and the pride in collective accomplishment are powerful antidotes to the isolation and alienation that often pervade modern life. It's a form of grassroots organizing that strengthens community ties, making neighborhoods more resilient in the face of various social and economic challenges. The produce from a community garden is typically far fresher than anything you'd find in a supermarket, which often leads to better nutrient retention in the food. When people have ready access to fresh vegetables and fruits, they're more likely to make healthier eating choices. This in turn can lead to improved public health outcomes from lower rates of obesity to better management of chronic conditions like diabetes and heart disease. Your garden could literally be a lifesaver. Community gardens can improve local ecosystems in numerous ways. They provide green space and habitat for wildlife, improve air quality, and reduce soil erosion. Many garden blitzes also incorporate rainwater harvesting systems or composting programs, which contribute to a more sustainable water management system and less waste. The concept of food miles refers to the distance food travels from the point of production to the consumer. By sourcing food locally from a community garden, the carbon footprint associated with transporting food decreases dramatically. You're not just eating better, you're contributing less to the systemic degradation of the planet. Beyond the immediate benefits, garden blitzing can be a launch pad for broader systemic change. For example, the skills learned and community ties strengthened through the garden project can serve as the basis for further activism and public education efforts, whether that's advocating for policy changes or engaging in direct action against institutions that perpetuate social inequalities and environmental degradation. If you've ever planted a seed and watched it grow, you know that gardening is far more than just an act. It's a process. The same holds true for garden blitzing, a community-centric form of activism that takes a seedling of an idea and nurtures it into a fruitful endeavor. To fully comprehend how a garden blitz comes to life, it's pivotal to first understand that this is not a linear project, but a cycle, a continuous loop of ideation, planning, execution, and reflection. Every garden blitz starts with an idea whether triggered by the sight of an empty lot gathering trash or the desire to address food insecurity in the community, the initial spark often combines personal observation with a broader critique of societal issues. It's where the personal meets the political, so to speak. Ideation involves recognizing a space, 
physical or metaphorical, that can be transformed into a vehicle for community engagement, resistance, and radical change. Before anything takes root in the soil, conversations take root in the community. Early involvement of local residents is key. Town halls, community board meetings, and even casual conversations at the local cafe serve as platforms to discuss the idea, refine its scope, and gauge interest. This ensures that the garden will serve the community's actual needs and draws on the collective wisdom, making the project stronger and more resilient. In this phase, a more concrete vision begins to emerge. Initial sketches are made, potential sites are assessed, and resource requirements are listed. It's also the point where a core team usually forms, a group of committed individuals who will steer the project through its various phases. The core team will lay out a timeline, establish goals, and identify potential challenges. It's often said that no man is an island. This rings especially true for collective actions like a garden blitz. Forming partnerships with local organizations, schools, and even small businesses can offer invaluable resources. This could range from material support like seeds and tools to non-material support like expertise in permaculture design or public relations skills for spreading the word. Even after the initial garden blitz event, the cycle doesn't end. Gardens require maintenance, seasonal planting, and ongoing community engagement. Further, evaluating the project's impact, sharing successes, and learning from setbacks become part of the life cycle. This continual reassessment ensures that the Garden Blitz remains responsive to the community's evolving needs and challenges. After laying down the ideological scaffolding and demystifying the planning process, it's time to roll up your sleeves and get your hands dirty, quite literally. We've talked about the why and the how to prepare. Now let's focus on the how to execute a garden blitz. This is the crescendo, the moment when all the behind the scenes work, all the planning, community consultations, and alliance building come to fruition. But it's also an intricately choreographed dance where each participant plays a vital role. Execution may last just a day or extend over a weekend, but its success relies on a myriad of factors coming together. So let's break it down. One of the foundational aspects of organizing a garden blitz is the distribution of responsibilities. You'll need a diverse set of skills and roles filled to make sure the day runs smoothly. Don't underestimate the significance of this step. It's where the rubber meets the road. Planting leader. This person's role is to guide the actual planting process. From making sure each plant is placed at the correct depth to ensuring that the layout maximizes sunlight exposure, this individual is the go-to resource for any planting-related queries. Soil prep leader. This role is concerned with preparing the earth to be a nurturing home for your plants. This involves tasks like tilling the soil, checking its pH level, and integrating organic matter to improve soil structure. Educational outreach. Leader. This volunteer wears two hats. On the one hand, they're focused on engaging community members and volunteers in educational activities. On the other, they're documenting the day's events, perhaps through social media or other platforms, to capture the educational essence and the lived experience of the Garden Blitz. The division of labor feeds directly into the specific tasks carried out during the Garden Blitz. Here's how it typically goes down, soil preparation. Volunteers led by the soil prep leader will begin by marking out the garden beds, breaking up compacted soil, enriching it with compost, and adjusting pH levels as needed. Planting. Once the soil is ready, 
the planting leader and their team will commence the planting process. This involves carefully placing seeds or seedlings in the ground following the predetermined layout. Proper spacing, depth, and orientation to the sun are critical factors here. Community education. Parallel to the physical labor, the educational outreach leader will be facilitating learning activities. This could range from workshops on permaculture principles to discussions about the links between food sovereignty and social justice. By the end of the day, if all goes as planned, you'll not only have a nascent community garden, but a community that's more informed, connected, and invested in the well-being of their shared spaces. It's an exercise in direct democracy where people collectively decide what they want to grow, how they want to grow it, and who benefits. But more than that, it's a demonstration of collective power, a vivid illustration that when people come together with purpose and vision, they can create an oasis, even in the heart of a concrete jungle. So when the sun sets on the day of your garden blitz, as you look around at the muddy hands and smiling faces, you'll realize that you've grown much more than just plants. You've cultivated resilience, nurtured community bonds, and most importantly, sown the seeds of radical change. So what's next after this transformative day? How do you make sure this garden, this living symbol of community and resistance, doesn't just survive but thrives? That's what we're diving into now. Let's explore some how-to and practical tips. Choosing the right plants. Deciding between native and non-native plants is your first action point. Native plants generally require less water and are more resistant to local pests. If you opt for native plants, consult local gardening guides, botanists, and importantly, local indigenous communities to identify species that will thrive in your area. Consulting indigenous communities offers multiple layers of benefits. First, they have a long-standing and intimate knowledge of the land and its ecology. Their traditional wisdom often spans generations and covers aspects that may not be included in conventional gardening guides. This expertise can guide you towards plant choices that are not just ecologically sound, but also culturally significant. Second, this consultation is an act of respect and acknowledgement, a step toward meaningful reconciliation. Indigenous communities have stewarded these lands for thousands of years, and their exclusion from conversations concerning local ecology exacerbates historical injustices. Your engagement can serve as a modest but meaningful step toward wider social equity, an alignment of your garden with broader principles of justice and community empowerment. Third, indigenous perspectives often incorporate holistic views of ecosystems, emphasizing not just the utility of individual plants, but also the symbiosis between different species. This wisdom can help you create a more balanced, resilient garden, enriching both the soil and local biodiversity. Practical tip, seek out tribal councils, indigenous agricultural projects, or cultural centers where you can find experts willing to share their knowledge. Always approach these consultations with humility and be prepared to listen, learn, and give back to the community in some way. Planting medicinal plants. Consider dedicating a section of your garden to medicinal herbs. Practical tip, identify what herbs benefit you and your community's common ailments and then find the best planting seasons for those herbs in your region. Effective planting methods. Companion planting. Place plants next to each other that are mutually beneficial. For example, planting basil next to tomatoes may help deter certain pests. Practical tip. List what you want to plant 
and then research what plants are beneficial companions. Arrange your garden beds accordingly. Succession planting. Map out your garden calendar so that as one crop is harvested, another is ready to take its place. Practical tip. Identify plants that can be sowed at different times and mature at different rates, then draft a garden timeline for the year. Raised beds versus in-ground planting. Raised beds can offer better drainage and are easier on the back, but they can be cost-intensive. In-ground planting is cost-effective but may require more rigorous soil preparation. Practical tip, assess your soil type. Clay or waterlogged soil might benefit from raised beds, while sandy or loamy soil is often good for in-ground planting. Vertical gardening. If you're constrained by space, consider vertical garden structures like wall-mounted planters or multi-tiered stands. Practical tip, choose plants that naturally grow upwards like vines or that have a compact growth habit for your vertical spaces. Incorporating art and communal spaces. Add artistic elements that serve as focal points or conversation starters, such as wind chimes made of recycled materials or murals on garden walls. Practical tip, host a community art day where neighbors can contribute handmade decorations for the communal garden space. Themes for gardens. Creating a thematic garden can make it a space for more than just food production. It could be a pollinator garden, a sensory garden with aromatic and textured plants, or even a history garden featuring plants significant to local or global histories of resistance and resilience. Practical tip, pick a theme that resonates with you or your community and plan your plant selections and garden layout around that. To sum it up, your garden is indeed a reflection of communal ethos and individual commitment, but it also requires planning, knowledge, and a keen eye for practical considerations. Each seed you plant is a tangible step towards a different kind of world, one where communities are self-sufficient, harmonious, and ever-resilient. The nitty-gritty of planting and organizing is essential, but let's not lose sight of the bigger picture. Gardening isn't just an isolated act. It's a political statement. When you put a seed in the soil, you're not just saying, I want to grow a tomato. You're saying, I'm taking back control. So let's dig deeper into the political and ideological dimensions of a garden blitz, because this is not merely horticulture, it's a form of resistance. When you're out there, hands in the soil, you're challenging a multi-billion dollar industrial agriculture complex that thrives on monoculture, genetic modification, and an insidious relationship with big chemical companies. That industrial system is designed for profit, not for people, and certainly not for the planet. They see fields, you see an ecosystem, they see quarterly profits, you see long-term community health. You are counteracting a system that's been associated with soil degradation, water pollution, and the decline of small family farms. This is revolutionary. It's David against Goliath. But remember, David had good aim. Let's explore the underlying ideologies, autonomy, egalitarianism, and sustainability. Autonomy. When you grow your own food, when your community becomes less dependent on giant supermarkets or distant farms, you're embracing the core principle of autonomy. You're saying, we don't need to rely on systems that don't serve us. This is about control, about reclaiming our lives in the most fundamental ways. And of course, there's the sweet sense of independence that comes from plucking a ripe fruit that you've grown from seed to harvest. Egalitarianism, 
A community garden is an egalitarian space. Whether you're a doctor or a dock worker, in the garden, everyone is a gardener. Everyone gets their hands dirty. Everyone reaps the rewards. There's no VIP section in a community garden. This mirrors the kind of society that many of us are striving to create, a place where your worth isn't tied to your wealth, job, or social status. Sustainability. This word gets thrown around a lot, but in a community garden, it takes on a tangible form. Sustainability is in the rain barrel that collects water for irrigation. It's in the compost pile where kitchen scraps are transformed into rich, fertile soil. It's in the organic pest control methods that forego harmful pesticides. But it's also in the way skills and knowledge are passed down and shared, ensuring that the garden and its ideals continue to grow for generations to come. So the next time you step into a garden blitz, remember, each shovel of soil turned is a step against industrial behemoths. Each seed sown is a vote for autonomy and egalitarian principles. Each harvest is a tangible representation of sustainable living. The garden is more than just a collection of plants. It's a manifestation of our collective ideology, our shared values, and our vision for the future. Here's to the seeds of radical change. May they continue to sprout and flourish. Let's get into the global tapestry of garden blitzing, because what's fascinating here is that the core principles remain the same, be it in Brooklyn or Bangkok, but the local flavors and unique challenges bring a fascinating diversity to this form of activism. In Detroit, a city hit hard by economic downturns and rampant deindustrialization, residents turned vacant lots into lush community gardens. But this isn't just about beautifying the city, it's about rebuilding communities and redefining urban spaces. The Motor City, once synonymous with car manufacturing, is becoming a poster child for urban agriculture. By reimagining their city's identity, Detroiters aren't merely surviving, they're thriving, proving that even in the ruins of capitalism, life, literal and metaphorical, finds a way. In the 1990s, Cuba faced an agricultural crisis precipitated by the collapse of the Soviet Union. With imports slashed and chemical fertilizers in short supply, Cubans had no choice but to go organic. Fast forward to today, and the capital city, Havana, is a showcase for urban organic agriculture. Organic, community-run gardens, known as organoponicos, are common sites. These gardens aren't just about food production. They are community hubs where skills, from composting to organic pest control, are shared. In Nairobi, Informal settlements often have limited access to fresh produce. The city has seen a rise in community gardens planted in public spaces. A brilliant twist here is how they tie this into political activism. These gardens are often the sites for community meetings and are sometimes named after political heroes or significant historical events, interweaving the physical act of gardening with the ideological act of resistance. In Tokyo, where space is at a premium, People have turned to vertical gardens and hydroponic systems. Residents have found ways to utilize balconies, rooftops, and even subway stations to grow food. Technology and tradition harmoniously blend as age-old Japanese agricultural practices get a 21st century makeover. Tokyo teaches us that lack of space is not an obstacle, but an opportunity to innovate. In various countries in the global south, from Brazil to India, permaculture principles are guiding community gardening initiatives. These gardens aren't just spaces for food production. They are political acts of reclaiming agricultural heritage that was almost wiped out by colonial regimes. 
By returning to indigenous practices, people are restoring their connection to the land while challenging the lingering impacts of colonialism. From Detroit's urban decay to Havana's Organoponicos, from Nairobi's community centers to Tokyo's vertical marvels, garden blitzing is a global movement. Each garden, no matter where it's rooted, stands as a testament to the adaptability and resilience of communities facing unique sets of challenges. Yet they all share the same ethos, that of using local action to prompt broader change, all the while sowing those ever-important seeds of radical transformation. As we wind down this segment on resistance around the world, let's take a moment to appreciate the common thread running through all these diverse initiatives, a profound commitment to the radical transformation of communities from the ground up, literally. Garden blitzing is more than just planting seeds in soil. It's about sowing the seeds of change in the hearts and minds of communities worldwide. It's a manifestation of collective imagination, a living, breathing critique of the current systems that marginalize and oppress. Whether it's Detroit residents turning the Rust Belt into a Green Belt, Havana's organic revolution in the wake of geopolitical shifts, Nairobi's community spaces that are as much about political consciousness as they are about agriculture, or Tokyo's high-tech embrace of age-old traditions, each example shines as a beacon of what's possible when people come together. And let's not forget the Global South, where the reclamation of indigenous agricultural techniques serves as a vibrant form of anti-colonial resistance. These global initiatives underscore the adaptability and resilience of communities, demonstrating how garden blitzing isn't confined by geographical or cultural borders. It's a testament to the human spirit, a universal endeavor that resonates with anyone who seeks to challenge the status quo and build a more equitable and sustainable world. So next time you find yourself staring at an empty lot or a disused space, remember that with a bit of collective action and a sprinkling of radical intent, you could very well be looking at the next frontier of social and political transformation. And that's not just the promise of a greener future. It's the promise of a future reimagined and reclaimed by us. The people. Radical education, yeah, yeah. A better future, what we really need. Not rooted in capitalism or supremacy. Today, in About a Radical Guide, we're spotlighting a truly transformative initiative that is very much in the spirit of what we're all about. The Mud Girls Collective, based in the Gulf Islands of Southwest BC, Canada. This group of rebel women on North America's West Coast exemplifies how grassroots action can challenge mainstream paradigms and redefine what it means to live in harmony with the earth. Now, what caught my eye about the Mud Girls isn't just their innovative use of natural building materials, it's the philosophical underpinning, the deep-rooted ethics that guide their every move. Ten years ago, these women decided to stop waiting for a system that was never designed to benefit them in the first place. They recognize that sometimes liberation means rolling up your sleeves, getting your hands dirty, and forging your own path. The Mud Girls Collective makes a potent statement against the impersonal and often wasteful industrial construction sector. They don't build houses, they build homes. And they do it using the most abundant material on earth, mud. It's sustainable, it's natural, and it's right there beneath our feet. Their focus isn't just on sustainability, but on community building and skill sharing, creating a cycle that not only gives people homes, but empowers them to make more. Now, the economic track that informs their movement is nothing short of revolutionary. They operate on a barter system when possible, making their skills and knowledge accessible to those who might otherwise be priced out. This is activism in action, 
an example of how the resource distribution in our world could look if it were up to people who actually care about human well-being. At its core, the Mud Girls Collective is about empowerment. This isn't just a women's collective, it's a human-friendly collective. It's about redefining work as something that nurtures the soul, respects the earth, and strengthens community bonds. They've created an environment where respect and care take precedence, where each member is valued, and where decisions are made collectively, sidestepping hierarchical power dynamics that often permeate even well-intentioned movements. Their guiding principles say it all. They work mostly with unprocessed, natural, and recycled materials. They prioritize respect and care in their work environment. They make their events child and mother-friendly, providing quality childcare. All this is laced with a spirit of creative innovation. They're not just following a guidebook. They're writing it as they go along, informed by the teachings of nonviolent communication, creating a blueprint for peaceful, mutually respectful, and harmonious group processes. And what can we say about their mission statement? It's simple but profound. To empower ourselves and others through sharing skills and knowledge that promote healing and living in harmony with the earth. The Mud Girls are not just building with mud. They're molding a new world from the ground up, breaking free from systems that fail us and creating their own rules that serve both the individual and the collective. In a world overwhelmed by narratives of destruction and division, the Mud Girls offer a compelling antidote. They offer a model of how we can live, how we can build, and how we can relate to each other and the world around us. It's a manifesto that, in its own quiet but determined way, shouts that another world isn't just possible, it's already being built. So if you're inspired by grassroots movements that shake the foundations of conventional thinking, you'll find kindred spirits in the Mud Girls Collective. They're an inspiring testament to what's possible when we decide to become the change we wish to see. To learn more, you can visit RadicalGuide.com. Let's go! For the close of this episode of A Radical Podcast, I want to take a moment to reflect on the threads that weave these stories together. Whether it's challenging the industrial agriculture complex through community garden blitzes, or transforming the way we think about construction and community with initiatives like the Mud Girls Collective, the common denominator here is agency, our ability to reclaim our power, our resources, and our narratives from systems that have long held them hostage. These aren't just disparate acts of resistance, they're pieces of a greater puzzle that comes into clearer focus with every act of defiance, every alternative we create. What we're talking about here is the construction of a new world within the shell of the old, an ecosystem of alternatives that, when taken together, form a compelling counter-narrative to the story of exploitation and helplessness that we've been sold for too long. So as you go about your week, let these stories serve as a reminder that you're not alone, that across the globe, people are waking up to their own power and potential. They're challenging systems, breaking molds, and most importantly, taking direct action. It's a wave and it's building, gaining force with every new project, every act of solidarity, every challenge to the status quo. Let this also be an invitation to you, our community of listeners, thinkers, and doers, to step into your own power, share your stories, lend your skills, join a movement, or start one. Remember, in the grand tapestry of change, every thread counts. Thank you for joining us on this journey of discovery, resistance, and ultimately, hope. A deep thank you to Ariel Short, 2072, for offering this topic for our exploration. 
We'll be back next week with more inspiring stories, incisive commentary, and actionable insights to fuel your passion for change. Until then, keep challenging, keep questioning, and keep fighting for a world that serves us all. This has been another episode of A Radical Podcast, and I'm Jason Bayless, signing off. Yeah, talking freedom and liberation. Worldwide, not just only for the nation. A radical guy, it's time to make changes. Bringing interviews and radical education. Yeah, yeah, a better future, what we really need. Not rooted in capitalism or supremacy. Yeah, yeah, trust you don't want to miss it. We bring the truth right to you. The past, present, and future. Let's go. A radical guy, that's what this is. Highlighting the diverse world of resistance. Let's go.